0: Listener Production. 2019, it's barely started, but thanks to an ever growing community of hackers, we've seen 1.76 billion documents leaked in January 2019 alone. Ransomware is expected to cost businesses and organisations $11 billion. Let that sink in for a while. It's an epidemic. And we need to start thinking about the future of how we're going to combat this cyber risk in an environment. And that starts with cultivating a new system. Sometimes what we perceive to be an unsolvable problem just means we've got to put our pens down, have a walk and get a fresh pair of eyes to come and have a look at the same problem. Fresh pair of eyes gives new diversity, gives new ways of thinking and when we apply that to hacking... We've got all these new ways that hackers can infiltrate our systems. They can use social media. They can use social engineering. They can walk in the front door. They can plug in devices. They can hack us online. They can hack us through the cloud. There's so many different ways they can get in now. So we need a diverse group of people solving these problems. A technical engineer is not going to solve particularly well a social engineering problem. So we need someone that is social and understands how people can be manipulated, maybe a psychologist. We need a diverse group of people solving this complex problem. Right now, we have a very narrow band of diversity within the industry. We're kind of still thinking about the nerd wearing the hoodie. We really need to bring diversity of thinking into it. And someone to help us with that is Carissa Breen. She is a cybersecurity specialist. She does a lot of communication, media and PR work to educate organizations on the importance of cybersecurity the importance of diversity, and how we can improve as an industry. Carissa, give us your thoughts on how we can address this problem. How can we improve the diversity within our industry?
1: So what I do day-to-day is one part media mm-hmm. around what does cybersecurity mean, I guess, to people who aren't even in cybersecurity? And the other part of that is helping companies actually communicate better and sort of decrypting all of that technical jargon so people do actually understand what that means for them and why they need to understand why cybersecurity is important.
0: So, KB, you're going to talk to us a little bit about negative unemployment, a lack of intellectual diversity, and how this impacts organizations' capabilities to effectively defend themselves. So, some... Uh, Heavy-hitting talking points, really interesting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is probably one of the most common questions that I get asked and I think it's really important because, like you said earlier, like we need to know that we have a diverse group of people uh, to look at things differently. But first and foremost, I really feel that sometimes what we need to be able to do as an industry is look at how people are different because that'll help shape how we evolve as an industry moving forward.
0: Look, I, I knew I wanted to be in IT, engineering, that kind of space, probably from the age of about 10. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to get into the schools. And I think it's going to take more than just one generation to properly solve this.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. originally, if you wind back far enough, women were the driving force, particularly in coding. I mean, we've all seen the, the cool movie about NASA recently and mm-hmm. all the, the maths that the, those women did and how the Apollo program wouldn't even be possible. Mm-hmm. How do you think, Carissa, we we went from that environment, which was essentially driven by women, Mm -hmm. to where we are now? And you go into a coding class or an infrastructure class at university and, like you said, it's a boys' club. It's Mm -hmm. basically maybe two or three women. Uh, How do we solve that? What's caused that? How do we get here?
1: (sighs) Well, there's a couple of things for this. So, one, you're right, and the presentation I was at recently spoke about dudes in basements in hoodies And that's not the reality. I think that we need to be able to advertise this effectively. There actually are a lot of women who are not socially awkward dudes in basements hacking things. Now, I think that that probably also does stem from Hollywood. We've all seen the hackers movie, the unrealistic way in which they apparently hacked the mainframe—that uh, that's obviously fabricated.
0: You're telling me these 3D <laughs> renderings aren't real? We can't <laughs> go into the circuits. <laughs> Shoot, I shouldn't have
1: done that. Uh, so I think I think that's one of the reasons. I think secondly, you said before that there is that push for change, and it is a changing phase, so to speak. But I think also companies are just looking for that getting the numbers up from a women perspective and some of it kind of almost feels like lip service that, oh, we've got a 50-50 gender quota now and I don't know if perhaps we are compromising ourselves as an industry because we're merely just hiring people off the street because they're a female. So I feel that diversity is important but it shouldn't just be focused on because we want I guess, from a PR point of view, to look like we are hiring diverse people. It should be the people that are actually competent in doing the job.
0: And I think it's really important as well to communicate. Cybersecurity has so many facets to it. Mm-hmm. Every hack, that ethical hack that we perpetrate, we essentially start with the information gathering session, where we're essentially researching about companies, about individuals, Then we move to kind of a social engineering phase. Mm -hmm. We're now actively looking for art students, for actors. Um, I mean, it's a bit of a sad fact for men, but if you happen to be a telemarketer, you're going to have a much lower success rate Mm -hmm. proven statistically if you're a man than you're a female. Mm -hmm. And we see the same thing in social engineering in the cybersecurity space. Women are more effective at it. Mm -hmm. They're better at reading emotions. And (laughs) I think a lot of people just aren't aware just how broad the cybersecurity Mm -hmm. space is. And I would say a good 40% of every ethical hack we start is social engineering and information gathering.
1: Well, that's a great point that you raise because so many people say, oh, I want to work in cybersecurity. And then I said, cool, what part? And then they can't really explain to me what part. So I think it's, I guess it's a a lack of awareness on what we're doing as an industry to actually not even demonstrate what roles exist out there. And more to your point about the social engineering from a female perspective, I think it's because females don't seem to get questioned as much. It's actually a space I want to move more into because... I mean, I do test things in the general public to see if anyone's really paying attention, and no one really is. And I think that as a male, you're more likely to get questioned if you look suspicious. Whereas a female, and I think being a younger female, I'm probably less likely to be questioned, even though I'm, I might be carrying rubber ducky around and just destroying someone's network because I didn't look suspicious.
0: Even in our organisation, we use women as the primary vessel you would call to deliver objects on site so when we say you you mentioned the USB rubber ducky there Mm -hmm. it's a small USB device you can plug into a laptop or a computer it will essentially execute code and it's got a switch so you can put multiple codes on there and it's a essentially turns into a HID keyboard device and you can upload whatever scripts you want so we use people to deploy USB rubber duckies Everyone may have heard of uh, the USB Ninja mm-hmm. uh, cable that's just come on by Kevin Mitnick which allows you to create a backdoor into any system that you use to charge your phone cable with. So I think that one of the things that the cybersecurity industry we need to educate ourselves on as well is we are essentially looking for psychologists, actors, mm-hmm. and we need to look outside of that traditional information technology mm-hmm. fields at universities mm-hmm. to get good people mm-hmm. and to Add like you said that diversity of not only gender but thinking.
1: Yeah, hundred percent accurate. Absolutely, I think this is something. I feel sometimes if you don't, you haven't come a traditional route through cybersecurity, people can sometimes be quite pretentious. I don't know why that is. I think maybe they feel threatened because someone who can be completely curious, has then gotten into the industry. For myself, that's how I actually got into cybersecurity. I came from a banking background, was really curious about how people exfiltrated money out of the bank. And then because I asked so many questions, they found that of value and were like, hey, do you want to come and work with us and our team? And that's how I got into it, by just... Being curious, asking questions, and wondering why people do things. I will never do anything unless I know why. And that, I believe, is the true essence of being a very good cybersecurity practitioner, simply because if you're not asking why and you're not challenging, we're just going to be owned by the bad guys.
0: We've also got with us Fergus Brooks. He's the ex head of cybersecurity for Aon Insurance. Fergus, you've been in the cybersecurity game for 25 years. What are your thoughts on diversity or using diversity
2: for problem solving? In my experience, you have a, a table full of people. So say you're solving a problem, responding to an incident or, mm-hmm. or planning a new technology rollout or in some sort of strategic direction for your IT company, mm-hmm. um, that you'll get a bunch of people who have qualifications in IT, mostly male, sitting around and they've shared similar experiences, et cetera. And you won't simply get you know as many different angles at the potential solution as you would as you would get if you had people from different backgrounds and and you know more women in the room who challenged the men um, which which is which is which is which is a good thing if you're not the one being challenged <laughs> um, but what do you? What are your comments on that? And, that, and I call that sort of groupthink, mm-hmm. and it's something that uh, that I've heard a few times before in different circles. What, what What are your thoughts on that?
1: In terms of having different people in the room, or
2: yeah, being able to have tiger teams that solve mm-hmm. problems. Mm-hmm. Um, so tiger team, I mean, a small group of people that's deployed to solve a specific problem. Mm-hmm. So that if you have, and they're across all industries,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: but if you have a tiger team that's diverse, uh, do you think you're more likely to come up with with a better set of solutions or, or a better range? Of, of opinions.
1: And because cybersecurity is something that's so uh, diverse and it's so fast moving, how are we ever going to be able to keep up if we're actually just breeding people from the same background? We need to have people to think differently, to come up with new ideas and solutions. But the counterpoint to that is in this industry, as soon as you start being quite vocal and have a difference of opinion, people try to shoot you down.
0: I guess... An analogy here is, you know, I'm always losing my keys. I'm always losing something. And my partner, she's significantly better at finding these things than Mm -hmm. I am. And what do we call that? Having a man look.
1: Yes. It's the same
0: with cybersecurity. We will analyze it from a certain point and go, okay, these Mm -hmm. are the ways we see that a criminal could enter in an organization. Mm -hmm. The more diverse the group, you'll think of other paths in. And this this comes even within companies. Mm -hmm. So if you pay two ethical hacking companies to breach an organization, I next to guarantee you they'll use two different paths to enter. And again, the more diverse the groups are, the more paths we'll find. And criminals are doing this. Mm -hmm. I believe that, uh, well, I don't believe I've witnessed, when you go to the Philippines and you go and see these organisations, they have HR managers, they have females working for them, they know that telemarketers are more effective if they're female. Mm -hmm. And the females who are working in these criminal organisations are helping them expand their attack vectors. So if we as an industry who are fighting this are purely a boys club, we're going to be ineffective and we're going to become more and more ineffective.
1: One of the things that I think is really important is profiling the right people. And that is changing face from my own experience of talking to practitioners globally. I think it's really just about that we need to look at this on a larger scale to say, hey, if we're not going to embrace people who are different and I have done a presentation purely about how I was different I don't think we're going to be able to win and we're going to lose as an industry because we are being naive in the fact that we don't want to embrace people from different backgrounds.
0: So from my point of view, the cybersecurity industry is really attractive. I mean, we're talking about reasonably high wages. We're talking about interesting work. Every day is different. We're targeting different organizations. We're helping organizations build frameworks and mythologies and policies and procedures. To stop themselves being breached or to minimise their risk, there's negative unemployment in this industry. Or well, I know you've got some challenging views on this, Chris, but there's very low unemployment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Obviously, that's driving wages up and up. So I would personally believe that that's going to create a big sort of backfill. Mm-hmm. What period do you think before we start seeing you know close to gender equality?
1: I don't know. I don't have all the answers in terms of the timeframe. What I do know is that I was speaking to an industry contact of mine, Greg uh, VanderGast, and he's kind of moved my thinking on this part. When him and I spoke, now while there's a genuine thirst for more and more people to be in this industry, he came from the position that there's not enough people that are being motivated to be constantly learning. And I feel that people are sort of just getting to a certain level and they just feel comfortable There's not the satisfaction with continuously to achieve uh, a certain level within the cybersecurity space.
0: Which is a problem, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, cybersecurity, our job is to research. It's probably one of the hardest things about working in this profession. Absolutely. New operating systems coming out, new technologies coming out, and we are expected to be masters. Uh, One of the things that my COO, Steve Williams, commented on very early on uh, when he joined our organization is, holy cow, you guys are just learning this now. And then we're trying to mitigate and, and create strategies to protect from risk. Mm-hmm. But it is a
2: constant cycle of learning. Yeah, I, I, Bastion, I noticed that very early in my career. Like Literally, when uh, I got my first job in IT, this was 25 years ago, there wasn't a security industry. It didn't exist. You know, we all sort of learnt on the job. And one of the things that I did in order to get to myself to a level of seniority was I jumped from contract to contract. Mm-hmm. So if I wanted to be in you know, Windows NT, then I'd learn a bit of Windows NT in my current job and then put myself out as, a, as an expert. Sorry, previous employers. <laughs> <laughs> well, do, do you notice that some clients, and, and
0: I come from an infrastructure background as well, they'd sometimes be surprised that you'd be on-site fixing, for example, maybe a storage area network or a server, and you'd be Googling. I've never seen this error message before that, aren't you supposed to know what you're doing? Why are you Googling this? And, <laughs> um, but what if you what if you're, uh, what if you're pre-Google? Oh yeah, then you've got some challenges. Yeah, uh, yeah
2: and I, I remember installing companies up to the internet for the first time, and a lot of people freak out when, when I say that I used to install banks and such to like just connect them up to the internet, and um and I'd say I had a lot of trouble with firewalls, you know, getting them to work and stuff, and people in the room will just go why don't you just Google it? It's like, because I'm connecting them to the internet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It didn't exist then. You're
2: not not seeing the way that this works. But, But that in itself made it such a challenging and so much fun career. You know, I've had a great life off the back of this of this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been very exciting. And and as we've talked about throughout the um, throughout the series, we've talked about how it's constantly changing, it's constantly evolving. There's nothing static about it. The threats are increasing. Mm-hmm. Um, Bastion talked about a USB ninja before. That just came out this week. Mm. You know, this is, and, and this is a new thing. There's a, there's a new thing every day. There's a new, there's another attack every day. Mm-hmm. You know, somewhere in the world, you can't go through the internet without finding someone's been breached or someone's had a problem. It makes cybersecurity incredibly dynamic and fun industry. I used to be the most boring person at the dinner party but I'm not so much anymore. Why,
1: from being the security person? Yeah, or? from
2: being an IT security <laughs> person. But then I worked in insurance for a couple of years and I knew what it was like to be the most boring right. person at the deep <laughs> These days, people are actually fascinated with what I know and what I've seen yeah. um, from all walks of life. So, you know, getting that message out to people. So, you know, you're not going to be the nerdy kid sitting in the corner. You're going to be a person who says, you work in cyber risk. Tell me about hackers. Tell me about cyber terms. Mm-hmm. Tell me about all this kind of stuff. Well, I think, Chrisy,
0: you hit the nail on the head before. You won't do anything without knowing why and how it works. Anyone in the cybersecurity industry really has to have a fascination to understand how things work, whether that be the human brain, which is what we hack more often than not, surprisingly, in the cyber industry, to technology, to marketing, to sales. You just have to understand how all these processes work. Mm-hmm. And i I go back to your point uh, that, you know, certain people in the the industry will achieve a certain level and then they stagnate. Mm -hmm. How do you think the industry can solve that? I mean, we're seeing things like ethical hacks in terms of pricing go down because we've got uh, people in India and and in the Philippines over to offer these services for much less. Mm -hmm. So organizations in Australia perhaps don't designate that three to four months of R&D time that we used to have into researching new technologies, into recertifying, into education. How do we combat that as an industry? Is it an education for the businesses that are buying these services, that they should be you know, valuing cybersecurity more, they should be paying a, a more reasonable amount for them rather than trying to cost cut?
1: I literally did a vlog on this last week and I had multiple people comment on it about I believe the best... Skill for being in cybersecurity and to be successful is curiosity. And everyone else had everything that they wanted to say, fine. Yes, technical is one thing. Certifications is another. But if you're not curious, and much to the point before about people not upskilling throughout their career, because they're not curious. They've checked out. They don't care. Finding people who, like you said, have that genuine why and that hunger about them are more likely to succeed. And that is, I believe, the fundamental skill that you need to be successful. You can teach everything else. If you're not asking why, then I don't think you should be in this industry because we don't need more people to sit on the fence and not actually ask questions and challenge because we're going to fail. And I believe that you can teach all of those other skill sets.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially in cybersecurity, our job is to hack and crack systems. Mm-hmm. So teaching them the traditional way of doing that possibly isn't the answer. An example I'll use, when we interview staff, we put a Rubik's Cube in front of them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: A person who got the job straight away, didn't know how to solve the Rubik's Cube, ripped all the stickers off it and stuck it back on the <laughs> <we've> way done. <laughs> he has hacked the Rubik's Cube, Perfect. given me the solution and the outcome is what I wanted. I don't care how they got there but they were successful in getting the job.
1: And that's an interesting thing that you say that I've found the best cybersecurity people are people that are weird and think so differently because without their brain of thinking differently, I don't think we'd be where we are. If you're just like run-of-the-mill, average, don't question, don't challenge, you're not going to get far and I don't think that you're going to actually add a lot of value simply because you're not thinking so wildly different to everyone else.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I mean, myself as an example, uh, I'm originally from France. Mm -hmm. came to Australia when I was about five years old. Parents decided I was old enough at about six or seven to leave me alone for about half a day. I found my dad's toolkit. I took apart mum's washing machine just to see what was inside it. Basically had exploded this thing out in the lounge room floor. (laughs) Parents obviously a little bit upset when I got home. Did manage to put it back together. The spin cycle didn't work so well, but... Yeah, that's that level of curiosity. What is this thing? How does it work?
2: Mm -hmm. Please, kids, don't do this at home. You you may electrocute yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, and I I agree with this entirely. And I mean, I think sort of certainly when I was in my early 20s, uh, and I'm showing my age here, uh, but working in IT, when Windows 95 came out, you know, before it came out, the beta of Windows 95, we had it as soon as we could get our hands on it and we were testing it on computers. Same happened with NT, NT4, you know, all that kind of stuff. I wanted to know how it works. I wanted to get on top of it. And and that was fun for me. Uh, fun learning new operating systems. And I know that sounds really sad, but um, but that led to a career for me and led to career development. Mm-hmm. Because you couldn't do an MCSE back when I first was working with Microsoft products. There was no course. That was the first course I did, so um a
0: little the- bit younger, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. So what, Carissa, are the next steps that maybe the government should take, that the learning institutions should take, that the organisations looking to hire these people, that the actual people themselves who are considering getting this into this industry should take?
1: Well, when you mention the government, I think what the government actually should be doing is profiling one, the right people. And knowing that, doing it in a way that's palatable to people as well, not doing it in a very arc archaic, banal way of addressing cybersecurity. I guess from an education point of view, getting people out there to talk about it and being very human about their experience in the industry. And what I mean by that is not being so PC in the sense of that it makes it almost boring. It's not going to attract young people. These people are not that much older, younger than me, sorry. So I understand how their mind works. And I think that by being so corporate, so to speak, will actually deter them because they're not going to see themselves working in a position like that. And then I think lastly, having continuous meetups, events to talk about what type of roles actually exist out there. Like you said, someone might be hating their psychology degree, but hey, you can come and do social engineering because you understand people, you understand behaviour, or you might be a software developer, so why can't you then do security engineering?
0: Yeah, I mean, acting has at the top of the field, really high salaries and glamour lifestyle. But for the large majority of people in the, in the acting community, they're struggling to find work. Maybe they can come over to, into our industry and practice their skills and then uh, yeah, act just throughout the day and then uh, perhaps <laughs> still get a job.
1: Well, I think it's a, de- de- uh, a very unique way of looking at it as well. And it's like you said, it's thinking outside of the box continuously and getting the right calibre of people anyway. One thing that used to annoy me when I was working in large corporations was just that to fill the quotas. Well, then are we actually hiring the right people or are we just hiring people for our company to look better in the apparent marketplace?
0: Yeah, it's refreshing to hear that view because I myself have experienced going for a job. And when the whole gender diversity thing came through, I felt like I was probably more qualified, but they went straight away and gave it to the female competing against me.
1: And that's actually insulting to a female. And I would always want to win on merit. If Mm. someone actually said to me, you won purely because you're a female, I would actually walk out of the room because that's insulting to my, uh, I guess, how I am and to the whole female population, because Mm. that's not really fair then at all. And no one wants to win like that anyway.
2: Yeah, damn right. That's why I think, uh, you know, there's been so much conversation all the way up at board level on quotas. Mm -hmm. Do Do we set up gender quotas? do we set up any kind of quotas for employment? So what we're basically saying is, is that if we have a candidate here who has the most qualifications but we don't have a spot because we've got a quota,
1: mm-hmm.
2: then you take on a lesser quality candidate, which, mm-hmm. as he says, means a lesser quality candidate but also insults the candidate.
1: Well, can I would impact, be insulted by and that.
2: It can, can impact their self-confidence as well. So I, I think the quotas, the quotas thing and people saying, oh, we just want to get more women on board for the sake of it, I think mm-hmm. that's a flawed argument.
1: No, 100% agree. And we're actually going to be compromising ourselves as an industry if we're just hiring anyone for the sake of getting quotas up.
0: Yeah. So I guess maybe I can cover off some of the steps for an organisation. So my leadership team, we're actively talking to the TAFEs, the universities. We probably need to start talking at a a younger school level. We start to look at uh, perhaps roles that are more effective for certain types of people. A good example of that is uh, when we first started the organisation, we had technical people and we started doing ethical hacks, and they were largely technology-based. When we started asking our tech heads to go on site and breach a site and plug in some device, they freaked out. So they stuck out like a sore thumb, this nerdy-looking guy, sweating like crazy, shaking, and and basically trying to plug in something into a often very pretty receptionist computer was the last place they ever wanted to be, and, and just hated it. It wasn't what they wanted to do, it wasn't why they signed up to to be in the cybersecurity industry in the first place, whereas another person will be far more suited to that and enjoy it and love it and, and help us as an industry. What is something that an individual could do if they want to get into the industry
1: Well, I guess one of the things would be go and hang out at local meetups. So you can go on meetup.com or Eventbrite, go along to some of those events so you can see what type of people are there. Generally, you're going to find someone that is always going to be looking for people. You can start to get to know other people within the industry. I think someone who's potentially looking to diversify their career would be like, what are you currently doing at the moment? So example, I did an event at the start of this year and one of the ladies actually spoke to me and said, I'm studying psychology. And back to your point before, we said, well, actually, I think you would be really, really good as a social engineer. And she's like, I hadn't even heard of that. I didn't even know it was a thing. Again, if you're a software developer, like, okay, you can do code. Why can't you go and potentially break stuff or go and develop stuff from a security perspective? Always be asking questions to people in the industry as well. Follow people that share different opinions, go and do lots of reading, listen to podcasts, get the knowledge up. And you you might be surprised to find out that where you started is actually not what you're doing now. And that's exactly what happened to me.
0: So find out what you enjoy and then understand perhaps where that could fit into the cybersecurity field.
1: I think so. And following people online, like what do they talk about? Maybe that's something that I didn't even know existed.
0: I think that's an important point. I don't think nowadays the seeks of the world, the indeed jobs of the world is really where people like myself are looking for talent. Mm -hmm. We're going to networking groups, we're going to dinners, we're going to breakfasts and you meet individuals. And, yeah, if you come and hang out in that community, I mean it's a great community of people already, um, that's where you're probably going to find out a lot more about the, the industry, a lot more about what we're looking for and potentially, yeah, fantastic. A psychologist come along and approach me I'm going to be, yeah, arms wide open trying <laughs> to get them into my organisation. If I can be more effective at ethical hacking and more effective at training organisations to protect themselves and reduce risk, I'm all for it.
1: And some people might be an expert at one particular thing and you can say like, hey, like I could actually go make you from an 8 to a 10 because you're very, very good at doing that one particular thing. And then potentially that they can go and grow their career after that. But I think getting them in the door... And again, it comes back to the right calibre of people. You have to be a very special, unique person to work in this industry and have a significant career because these people are the people that are helping defend data, our countries, our identity. And those people need to come from a a very unique skill set to be able to help countermeasure that continuously.
0: Look, there we have it. All these smart, interesting people that... Uh, Curious about the world, we are waiting for you in the cybersecurity industry. Governments, we'd love to see you educate at a lower level, at a school level, uh, as much as possible. And all the learning institutions out there, wake up to the fact that you probably need more of a PR and marketing and media effort to actually get diversity within the group. Where us as employees are, are sick of just seeing the same kind of guys applying for the jobs, We'd love to uh, see some more diverse people coming and working with us. Cyber Hacker was brought to you by CTRL Group. Presented by me, Bastian Treptel. Produced by Matt Dwyer. Our very own Stephen Williams from CTRL Group. And special thanks to Carissa Breen. Hacking is real. People and organisations are being taken down every day. If you'd like some professional advice and assistance... Go online to ctrlgroup.com.au and we'll help you.
1: Listener